Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint. Welcome to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. We are an independent production fueled by an ever-growing community on Patreon, where for a small monthly contribution, you get access to exclusive monthly forecasts and horoscopes in written and audio format, bonus episodes, and monthly Q&A videos where you can ask a question about your natal chart. Starting in May, there'll be a new Vesta the Sacred Flame tier, where for $15, you get access to everything I just mentioned, along with a monthly tarot scope for each astrological season and a secret patrons-only discount code on readings with me. And our next bonus episode goes out at the end of this week. So if all that sounds like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com slash badastro and join us. We'd love to have you. You can also show your support by giving us a five-star review on iTunes, which helps the mysterious Apple algorithm share this podcast with more amazing people like you. Or follow us on social media at Bad Astrologers on Twitter and Instagram. Finally, remember to share this podcast with one of your friends. We all need a good distraction right about now, so help us spread the word. Now, time for the episode. We tried to record this one during the Mercury retrograde in Pisces, but the stars had other plans. And honestly, I'm glad they did, because as we mentioned in the conversation, it feels like we're living in a totally different universe now. Unfortunately, our second conversation got cut very slightly short too, but what we did manage to salvage felt very comforting, and I wanted to share that with you no matter what. Today's guest, Gabriella Herstic, is a witch. Back when the witchcraft boom happened circa 2015, she emerged, leading the pack with a genuine, fearless style that connected with people all over the world. Her latest book, Bewitching the Elements, is out now. And in this episode, we talk about everything, including how Venus and the North Node conspired to bring us together in the unlikeliest of places, the long, hard work of healing generational and family wounds related to practicing astrology or magic, and what it means to be an Aquarius. I hope it'll bring you some peace in this uncertain world. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Gabriella. Thank you so much for joining us on Bad Astrologers today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, And also, full disclosure to our audience, we've actually (laughs) had this conversation once before. And I don't know, something really tragically sad happened with the audio. But um, I feel like it's actually maybe an opportunity to get together and talk after the virus hit so we had recorded Mm -hmm. the other one before and i don't know about you gabriella but i kind of feel like we live in a different universe now in a lot of ways (laughs) i feel like i almost feel like we all collectively died at the same time and incarnated in an alternate dimension honestly i believe that i mean it's so weird aquarius now we're all thinking about quantum physics and (laughs) the timeline Yeah, it definitely feels like, I don't even remember like when we talked, but I guess, yeah, you're right. It was at least before three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, which is really weird. It does feel like a totally different universe. It was during the Mercury retrograde in Pisces. Oh my God, that feels like forever ago. 
I know it does. I feel like I could have guessed when we sat down to record it. I actually had this moment of like, I wonder if something's going to go like strange with the audio on this. Ah, fuck it. Let's just do it anyways. (laughs) Technology also just does not like me. Like, I don't know what it is. I, you're too magical. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Just, uh, it always struggles when I'm around, which is unfortunate because I, I need it to survive. So. That is really interesting. I would think with someone who has so much Aquarius in their chart, which we'll talk about later on, like mm-hmm. technology and you would be um, super tight and best friends. I feel like that's my sister. I feel like Alex got that that piece. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like, so it's not it She is took not it away me. from you in the womb. <laughs> yeah, she did. She stole it from me. Very good. Um Okay, so actually, before we start, do you want to talk a little bit about how we met? I would love that literally whenever. Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. I'm curious what your version of the story is. I remember it all very fondly. Oh, me too. We shared a Um, hairstylist back in the day. Yes. So when I was going to the University of South Carolina... I think I was a senior already and um, Amelia is that's where she lives in Columbia too and I just I think I was in like my journalism class I'm pretty sure it was like my last class of the day and I got a DM from Amelia I think it was on like your Midheaven account and oh my god the Midheaven the robot I know um, <laughs> Uh, and I got a DM and it was, I, you were saying something like, I, you know, we both go to bombshell or whatever the salon is called. And I was told about you and I'm an astrologer and you kind of just introduced yourself. And then I'm pretty sure we got, I followed you back. I think we got coffee pretty soon after that. I don't remember going from not knowing you to knowing you. I feel like I was like, yeah, we're best friends now. It's fine. Like it was just so <laughs> instant. And like, I feel like in Colombia, unfortunately it's like when you live somewhere like that there's not a lot of weirdos or witches at least who are out about it but that means that you find the people you find your weirdos really quick because they just like sense it and I feel like that's just what happened I don't even remember how we I I feel like you've always been in my life oh I feel that way (laughs) about you too honestly I felt that way when I met you for sure it was so interesting because at the time I think we were both writing for the Numinous independently Oh, with Ruby Warrington. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely still writing for them back in the day. And I remember thinking, how strange is it that there's another person who is writing for the Numinous in South Carolina? Like, it was so odd. I was having a Venus um, on the North Node transit at the time, I remember. And obviously, Venus is like love and friendship. And the Mm. North Node is like destiny and Mm. your highest purpose. And, you know, it's such a love fest. But I think that's (sighs) a cool real life manifestation of like how that transit can look for people. So. I love that. I love that Venus led us to each other. That makes me so happy. I know. It's great. And look um, at us now. Started from the <laughs> yes. bottom, now we're here. Coven goals. It's true. <laughs> um, so let's talk about you. Obviously, that's why you're here. Um, so I want to start this out by going way, 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 way back. Um, can you tell me what's your earliest memory of being interested in 
the occult or astrology or witchcraft? Because I think I remember you telling me it was pretty early on. Ooh, beautiful question. So I honestly can't remember like a specific time where I wasn't interested or intrigued by these things. I think because of the environment I grew up in, um, my mom is from the Jewish community in Mexico City and has been, you know, working with crystals and doing yoga and meditating and, um, like dream work and all that kind of stuff since for, for decades, for years and years, for years and years before I was born. And I just grew up like seeing her altars and seeing her books about past lives. And I feel like I was always just aware of, of there being something bigger than just myself out there. Um, mm-hmm. my dad is a reform rabbi and he always fostered my curiosity about God, the unknown religion and death. Um, and I, I can't really place like a time when I was brought into that kind of awareness. I think it's just like part of who I am and part of my soul. But I remember when I was about nine years old, I went to Salem, Massachusetts on Halloween which I didn't know at the time was actually like the witch's new year, but I went with my twin sister and my aunt because my aunt's birthday was on Halloween and she liked witches and my grandma. And um, I remember like going to the witchcraft museum and hearing about the rule of three and the Wiccan read, which is uh, two kind of rules that some neo-pagan Wiccan people or wicked, some neo-pagan people, which is follow that is are two of like the wicked laws. And I remember standing under these like wax figures and seeing them, hearing them talk about witchcraft and then like going to Larry, Lori Cabot's store and seeing a ritual and eating a pomegranate. And I didn't like, I couldn't, I don't think I understood like what witchcraft was still at that point, but like I knew that I had entered something magical and a few years Mm. later i was given an oracle deck of fairy oracle cards by brian fraud who's an amazing amazing artist um and oh yeah yeah he's awesome so he works so pretty yeah that's an amazing deck um so i got this deck and i became obsessed with fairies and was led to a book called the witch's guide to fairy folk um by eden mccoy and i had this realization and kind of connection to what I'd seen a couple of years earlier in Salem. And, um, even though I definitely had felt magic and been aware of like nature and fairies and all that kind of stuff, seeing, reading this book and learning about witchcraft and the way that modern people practice witchcraft was like, that was truly the moment in which I like recognized that I had found a part of myself. Um, that I, that I knew it was really this kind of sense of coming home. Um, I still have not felt that way about anything in my life since not that strongly. So even though I was Mm -hmm. like, definitely like would like write notes to fairies and put them in trees when I was younger. And like, I had felt, I grew, I was in Buffalo, New York for a few years when I was younger. And I really felt this kind of nature magic spirit like that I remember being super aware of just how incredible and beautiful nature was and like more than just something that was not alive. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that finding witchcraft through, through these books, through going to Salem and through my own experiences was 
really the first time that I myself recognized that that was a part of who I was. So I definitely think like reading that, the Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk, I was in sixth grade. Um, so I like had to go to, I went to sleepaway summer camp that year, a Jewish summer camp and cried every day because I didn't want to be there because I knew I was a witch and just spent my summer like basket weaving and making uh, tea with herbs I found in the garden and like writing letters to Aww. goddesses and doing everything I could to like not have to do Jewish stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I was probably like 12 when I really discovered witchcraft as a practice that would, that I, something that I practiced and not something that I just was aware of. Hmm. That's such a potent way to put that too, because I think witchcraft is a practice. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it isn't necessarily just something that you are, like it's something that you do and actively partake in. And I think Absolutely. you're such an awesome example of that. Thank um, you. I also love that in your chart. So since we last talked, the bonus episode about asteroid magic um, came out for our patrons, um, which is all the different uh, asteroid goddesses that I look at to sort of mm. suss out certain psychic <laughs> or magical proclivities in a chart. Mm -hmm. And you have your asteroid Hecate like exact on your Saturn, um, which I think is awesome because Saturn is so much about our life lessons and our karma, but also mm, about the mm -hmm. work that we do in this world. And so Aww. like you truly are like the definition of like a working witch um, <sighs> in the sense of like you, you do the work and that's like how you make your life work. <laughs> Thank you. That it's so affirming to hear that, especially from, from you who like you are the asteroid queen you know more about Astra than anybody <laughs> i've ever met and um i love the queen of the witches hecate so that really um it's just affirming you know what i mean i think we all kind of yeah. go through moments where we're unsure of our path because it's not something that's concrete necessarily but something that kind of spirals so i hmm. i needed to hear that i really appreciate that being you know i'm glad that that's reflected in my in my birth chart Mm hmm. Absolutely. I think that's why so many of us come to astrology, too, is that yeah. we're looking for affirmation. You know, I always tell people mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm not like anti prediction. I definitely think that through intuition and just like knowing the language of the stars, you can see what's coming towards you in the future mm -hmm. and plan ahead for it. But I think mm -hmm. the biggest strength of astrology is that f those feelings of affirmation and validation of like, yes, I'm going in the right direction. Yes, this is who I am. Yeah. And now I feel like I can claim that more, you know? I love that. Absolutely. It's like a, a map for your soul's highest evolution that you have the choice to continue following and continue being guided by. And, you know, obviously free will has a part to do with that. But I, I know for me, having faith in something bigger than myself is like mm -hmm. a good thing, you know, when it's not blind faith, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Aquarius and Scorpio and you keep you from, you know, going about your faith blindly. You're not the Sagittarius Pisces person who's like the full tarot card gonna just like jump off the cliff. Like you're grounded <laughs> in maybe like multiple different timelines, but like you're grounded Thank feet you. on terra firma and like you're trying to investigate your way out of uh, whatever is happening. I, 
definitely <laughs> feel like that that mixed with like a little bit of generational trauma that just makes me like very aware that like I can't fuck up this life and I have to be yeah. very careful because it's like a gift to have tell me more about if you don't mind me asking yeah. about generational trauma I know you've mentioned that relating to your practice and I know that you come from like a very fascinating lineage like what part does that play in your astrology and in your witchcraft Ooh, it's such such a good question. I've never been asked. Um, I think for me, so my I'm just like Jewish as fuck. I'm like ninety nine percent Ashkenazi Jew, like from Eastern Europe. Both my parents are Jewish. My whole family's Jewish. I grew up Jewish, um, and I have. I, I think the first part of that question: What does it play a part in my practice? I um, both of my dad's parents were in concentration camps for over three years um maybe even close wow. to three and a half years and they survived and they met afterward and um they so my grandma my my paternal grandma was a seamstress before she was um taken to auschwitz and when she was there her name was rose weiss um which i love because that means white rose which i think is such a beautiful name um i guess they had been lined up and um the guard asked, is there a Rose Weiss here? And my grandma said, yes, it was her name. And he was asked if she was a seamstress, which she was a trained seamstress and also said yes. So he said, come with me. And she was taken to the seamstress, the head seamstress of Auschwitz, who then was like, that's not my niece. I guess the seamstress at Auschwitz had a niece with my grandma's same name. But since my grandma was actually a trained seamstress, she was able to stay in the seamstress's quarters and have better treatment. She wasn't doing like, she wasn't working the same way. You know, obviously it was like still horrible conditions, but she was mm -hmm. able to, I think, have like more of a bed and able to survive because she was one of the first people that was there. Um, so that is to me, between that and then my, um, her husband, my paternal grandfather was, um he was from like a mining town in they're both from slovakia and he was um training apprenticing to be a master weaver um in prague and he was taken to the camps from there and he also survived and um they my grandparents met in i guess they were training to become soldiers for the israeli defense force and my grandpa was teaching how to load cannons to cadets and my grandma was learning how to do this and the first thing he ever said to her was cadet uh if you don't mind me saying your flies unbuttoned or something along the lines <laughs> of like him telling her that she like her fly was open because women didn't really wear pants so she didn't know um so they ended up getting married and having my 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 dad and his brother and like i think for me wow. a big part of my practice First off, just like, I literally shouldn't be here. Um, my dad, my mom's side also mm -hmm. escaped Europe from, um, from the Nazis and ended up in Mexico City. And, um, they also like my grandma's one on one side of my grand, on my mom's side, they owned a zipper factory. And then on the other side, they had like some kind of like tchotchke store with gloves and scarves. So like both sides of my family were in the garment industry and but beyond that, like they managed to escape, you know, this like horrible genocide. Um, so mm -hmm. one of the ways for me that that manifests is being very acutely aware that the life that I have isn't something I can take for granted. 
and that Mm -hmm. it's a gift to be alive. And, um, also that the fact, this like is something I think about often, the fact that I'm able to make, I might start crying just a warning, but, um, the fact that I have the privilege of being open with my beliefs and my practices and not in fear of being killed for them is something that my grandparents didn't have. Um, and I feel like for me working with glamour magic and using clothing as a way to tell my story and clothe myself in something that makes me beautiful and how I connect that to my work with Venus um, and my different forms of ritual, I definitely feel like that's something that's carried over from both sides of my family that who are in the garment industry and who had these, you know, who connected over these things and lost a lot along the way. Um, so I think I, for me, the way it manifests is definitely through my practice with glamour um, by, and also just by recognizing how lucky I am to be able to do the work that I'm doing and how lucky I am that it helps other people. Um, you know, my grandparents, after you go through something like that, you're not, you're not the same, you know, like they really kept their heads down and they had to really just like, they, they're, they were so happy that they could start a family. And my, both of my parents have come from a lot of trauma. My mom has lost a lot of people in her life. And my dad has gone through a lot having, you know, being the, the survivor, the son of survivors of concentration camps. So I feel like my parents have both really done a lot of inner work and healed a lot which has allowed me to be Mm. where I am so just like working with my ancestors in that way um I had to take a long break from Judaism because it was something that I felt I I didn't see myself in and I have even I'm I will always be Jewish culturally I don't really identify it with religiously but now I'm working with Hermetic Kabbalah, which uses the tree of life and the Hebrew letters and the Hebrew names as part of my practice. And I feel like for me, that is a way of connecting to my ancestry, but in um, a framework that feels supportive and that aligns with my religious beliefs. Um, So it's definitely taken me, you know, it was like 11 or 12 years of not being identifying with anything Kabbalistic or Jewish. And now I've kind of found this, this medium between that and glamour that I feel like honors my ancestors in a way that also honors where I am. Um, and I'm just like, also like really aware, like I won't ever go bungee jumping. Like I don't fuck with a lot of things that can kill me because I'm just like, I will, I'm not, I don't want to die yet. I'm not ready. Um, I have too much life to live. So it's like, my sister and I talk about that. We're like, yeah, like there's like a lot of stuff we don't do because it's like my family didn't survive what they survived for me to like die doing this stupid thing. So, um, yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such an incredible story. And I think that it really puts, the work that you do into such an amazing context, right? That, Thank you. You know, I I know that, especially in recent years, there's kind of like a little, not like backlash, but I think people give a little bit of side eye and some, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you have on a big black hat and you're wearing mm-hmm. a black skirt and, mm-hmm. you know, that makes you a witch. But I find your story incredibly profound because you've had to, you know, generationally like, fight for this and this is in the fabric of who you are 
Um, Thank you. And I just, I I love hearing about it. And I I think it's especially interesting that you've decided to work with Kabbalah to sort of Mm -hmm. heal that aspect of things. yeah, it's been really, I never thought that my years and years of Sunday school and reading Hebrew would ever come in handy. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, I do know that's a cough and I know that's an olive and I know that's a gimel. And like, yeah, I can read this thing. It's like, I would have never, I would have never expected it. <laughs> and in the framework of like Western mysticism, it really resonates. I never expected it to. So very thankful for um, Naha Armadi and her school 22 teachings for helping me connect in a new way to that absolutely i think in um and and for good reason too i think a lot of us especially those of us who come um from the church i can't speak to judaism um we're really quick to cast off um elements of religions we are a part of um Mm -hmm. or old stories because we feel like we were hurt by them or we were hurt by them um but i think that looking into our past and even looking to our ancestors or families to say, okay, maybe I don't have to get rid of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, that's totally okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, just there can be things there that you can mine and can help you come to feel more whole, I think. Absolutely. And like your path is yours and you'll get to where you need to be when you need to get there and there's no rush and your timing is perfect. So. I think that's also mm-hmm. can help us remembering, right? Like there's no timeline for our spiritual growth. It's just one day at a time. One day at a time. So <laughs> yeah. when you were talking about your family, you mentioned glamour magic. And I know that you've yeah. described yourself as a fashion alchemist before. Can you tell me what that means to you? Sure. So I have always, I mean, both my mom and my um, maternal excuse me, grandma are fabulous women. I grew up seeing them always looking amazing and with their lipstick. And I have, as long as I remember, I have had, you know, certain pieces of clothing that I really loved or remember buying my first piece of makeup. So, and like I mentioned before, my, you know, it's kind of something that my family has always been in. Um, So I, for me, being a fashion alchemist means using my clothing, using makeup and using rituals of style and beauty as a way to work with my magical practice and using fashion to, to transform, whether that's transforming from the outside in, which I think is really what glamour is, where magic is kind of the opposite, where in magic, we're transforming ourselves from the inside out. I think that Anybody Mm. who's ever taken time to put on a good outfit and look at themselves in the mirror and feel good knows that there's power in changing your appearance, right? Why do you think people freaking cut bangs when they're stressed out or dye their hair, right? (laughs) I mean, obviously there's like a level of control there, but also you want to, you know, mark a new period or uh, being single with like a hair color or whatever. So for me, my background is in fashion writing. I decided I wanted to be a fashion journalist when I was 14, started a blog the next year, uh, cut my blog for six or seven years, went to high, went to college for fashion writing and, um, you know, studied abroad at London College of Fashion. Fashion has always been one of my passions. And for about as long as I've been into fashion, I've been a practicing witch. 
And um, when I was in Columbia in college, I started a series of blog posts that were outfits based on tarot cards. So I did the chariot, judgment, death, the moon, the high priestess, bunch of like nine different cards, I think. Um, and I started writing about tarot on my blog. And I think that's when I realized that there was this kind of strong connection between fashion and magic. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a privilege to be able to practice fashion glamour, glamour magic. I recognize that, you know, like it is, it is a privilege mm -hmm. and it's something that if I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. We're, we're living in our clothing every day, regardless if we care about what we're wearing, right? Like regardless mm -hmm. if we are even aware of it, um, we live our life in clothing and we can't separate that layer from us. It really is something that we move through our life in. So for me, being a fashion alchemist means using my clothing, using glamour, like I mentioned, using um, fashion as a way to continue honing in on my intention, whether that's just to be present in the ritual of putting beauty on, uh, putting my makeup on and honoring that as a ritual of beauty and um, or as a way to honor my, my matron goddess Venus through dressing up in a certain way that will help me embody an energy I'm trying to channel. Um, you know, glamour, we think about, about it as somebody who looks really fabulous and somebody who's very curated, but in folklore, it means something that veils what lies beneath it. Um, you can think of a changeling of like a fairy that would come and steal away a human baby and put a fairy baby in its place and then cast a glamour on top of it so it looked like a human baby and the parents wouldn't be any wiser. We, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us, especially as women, as femme people, um, we have a lot of external, I guess, like not ideas, but we are constantly being, you know, we're supposed to fit in a certain box. We're seen a certain way, whether that's sexualized or whether we're catcalled. And I feel like for me, thinking about fashion as spiritual armor has been mm. really transformative, whether that's wanting to feel protected and wearing black and carrying a tourmaline in my pocket or wanting to open my heart and be soft and wearing something that reflects that or wearing a perfume that makes me feel like that. Or maybe, you know, like putting on some, you know, there's like so many different ways to do it, whether it's working with colors, working with scents, working with jewelry and talismans. I think that being a fashion alchemist for me is recognizing that you can transform from the outside in just as much as the inside out. I'm so sorry if that went a million different places. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, not at all. That's perfect. And I love that you brought the folklore into it too. I forgot that Glamour has a connection to changelings, mm -hmm. which is totally spooky. Um, I'm curious, as far as having Venus as your matron goddess, I know you do tons of work with her. Did that start um, before or after you realized that she was your chart ruler as a Libra rising? I think I'm like 99% sure that started um, before I realized that. I actually I don't so even too. remember. I don't even remember like when I decided that Venus was my matron. I remember like doing a photo shoot as like a way to embody her more publicly. But uh -huh. like, I feel like it's kind of like you where it was just like you were in my life and I was like, this makes sense. Like, I was just aware of, of her being in my life. Yeah. I actually forgot about this. But when I first started 
practicing witchcraft when I was 12 or 13, I would ask for my my matron goddess to come to me in my dreams. Mm-hmm. And um, I really wanted to find her. And I had a dream that Aphrodite came to me, but I was like prepubescent. I was super, super uncomfortable. And I was like, I do not feel comfortable with this and like put it in a box and hid it away. So I feel like she probably just was like, it's time now, bitches. And like came out <laughs> and was like, it's me, I'm back. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I I definitely started worshiping her though before I found out that she was my planetary ruler, which makes, of course, of course. Why am I not surprised? That's, that's very yeah. you, that's so perfect. Thank you. Mm, it's so good. So as far as your glamour magic, and I know you take tons of, I love your selfies where they're inspired Thank by you. the astrology of the day. Um, is there any particular thing in the sky you're looking for? Or is it more about like a transit you're going through? Tell me more about those. Ooh, good question. So I, I think that it's more of like the moon is always a really big inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. depending what she's on um not so much anymore but like i will i i'm always aware of what what sign the moon is in obviously i'm always aware of what sign the sun is in um so i'll usually dress for one of those if i'm not really feeling inspired or if i really just want to channel my magic more intentionally so um i think the moon is in she's just moved into libra today a few a couple hours ago maybe um so like you know, I'll, I'll either dress for her, I'll dress for the sun. And then mm-hmm. also like, depending on what the wheel of the year is, I feel like I'll dress for that. So if we're going through an equinox or solstice or cross quarter day, um, mm-hmm. I'm usually aware of, uh, I'm aware of when that happens and that'll inspire my glamour. I think it's just, for me, it's such an easy way to connect more intentionally with the energy that we're all going through in a personal, in a personal manner, right? Through like this ritual of getting ready and picking out my makeup and my outfit. Um, so it's not so much of like my personal transits. I think that's just because I'm not super always as aware of my personal transits as much as just like what the moon and sun are doing. Um, but like, I'll definitely, you know, like for my solar return, I'm, I'll, I'll dress in accordance to what's going on. Um, or if there's like something big happening, but I think it's mostly, yeah, this, what the sun is in, what the moon is in, um, to get kind of more specific with it, obviously. And then I, I try to dress according to like the wheel of the year. So for the spring equinox, I try to dress like floral and sweet and kind of embrace this more Persephone coming back to the, to the earth, earthly realm vibe. Mm, Whereas like, uh you know, if it's the, fall equinox or um Samhain or something I'll dress more more dark so I always but I I have a very like I will not dress in something that I don't feel like myself in even if it's pushing the limits of what I feel like I will not wear an outfit that makes me feel uncomfortable I can't do that to myself it's like mental torture honestly (laughs) so um it's all in the frame of Gabriella, which is something that has taken me a while to get to that I'm really enjoying. I love you. You have such an iconic style. And like, people say that as like a meme, <gasps> you. you know, it's like, Oh, my God, you look so iconic. But the thing is, like, you can tell a Gabriella photo, you can tell a Gabriella look. Thank you. And that's just it's just <sighs> so good. Oh, that's like pouring to my Libra rising. Hairs. Thank <laughs> you, Amelia. 
<laughs> I do what I can. Um, <laughs> speaking of your um, Aquarius-ness, so I was thinking, you know, Aquarius people and just the energy of Aquarius is that of like being iconic. Like it's often that which like defines a zeitgeist, probably because Aquarius people like you, you're always like five steps ahead of what culture is, <laughs> where it's going to go. Um, so for those of you listening, Gabriella is an Aquarius sun. Um, and you also have your Venus and Mars there as well. Like how, yes. how can us listeners, we've struggled with Aquarius on this podcast before, <laughs> like better understand and access our own Aquarius energy? Ooh, what a great question. Um, I feel like one of the ways that I work with that energy is like, I think I also have a lot of Scorpio. So I'm, I definitely mm -hmm. feel like I have had to work through my issues of jealousy and just become more aware of that. And something I realized was you're never going to be the best at anything. I'm never going to, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to be the prettiest. I'm never going to be the richest. I'm never going to be the coolest. Like, but I can be so me that nobody like if I'm just me and I'm so me that nobody else can be me then like I don't have to worry about being jealous because like nobody else can do me better than I can and I think of just like owning that kind of individuality as something that you shouldn't be ashamed of and is something that like you can foster in instead of feeling competitive with other people is something that has really really helped me Mm -hmm. Um, and like staying in your own lane and re like figuring out the things that light you up and committing to them. Like, I definitely feel like I am super fixed sign. So I'm very good at commitment, which also means that I have to remind myself to be flexible and to have wiggle room, but like committing to owning who you are and not feeling bad about the fact that what you might like and what you want to do might be different from other people. And instead recognizing that as a strength is very Aquarius. Um, and just like being able to see things from multiple perspectives. I definitely feel like I can, I don't feel like I'm detached. I have a lot of, I feel like my Pisces-ness kind of balances that out. I'm very emotional, but being, it's almost like Aquarius is like a fixed air sign. It's like, I almost feel like we can be mirrors to like, wow, other, we, yeah. can be, we can hold space and be mirrors for other people that might seem detached, but is really us like listening with compassion and being able to show people maybe a perspective that they didn't see. Um, cause we, we work in the name of love for all. So sometimes that love is like, like the dark mother who, you know, like knows what's best for you and is going to be kind of mean. So you can take a step back and realize that she's doing that out of a place of compassion. Like mm -hmm. just thinking about how you fit into the, into the collective. And like, I don't know. I feel like, ooh, this is such a, I, I don't know if it's like, cause I, I don't know how to not be attached to my Aquariusness Cause it's so, it runs so deep. Uh, but I definitely think, yeah, just like recognizing that who you are is important and that you, you have the right to foster 
your own curiosities and imagination and uh, remembering that even though what's it called like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery or whatever like that's actually really annoying when people copy you but they're just gonna keep copying you but like by the time they try copying you're gonna be on something else so it's fine that's such good advice so basically build your own lane and just ride on it make that your highway 